The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Denver City Cast with Holden Kushner, presented by Bet Rivers. Hey, it's Holden with Veasan. It is the Denver City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Follow me on Twitter at Holden Radio. Here's what's coming up on the show. We'll do a CSU recap once again, just really quickly. The Mountain West complete busts. The Broncos. We've got uh, wide receivers abound. I'm going to set the lines for both Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton and tell you how I think the passing game, kind of what it funnels to, who it funnels to in 2022. The Nuggets may be getting Jamal Murray back next week. And, I mean, kind of starting to gel too. I like what the team is doing. And the chasm between the Rockies and the Dodgers. I got to explain that to you. Nate Kreckman's going to talk about some of those things with me, plus an AFC West report because the arms race is growing. Before we get into the front range four, I want to let everybody know about the Bet Rivers special tonight having to do with the Nuggets. If the Nuggets win both halves against the Cleveland Cavaliers tonight, that bet is at plus 150 if they do. Nuggets to win both halves plus 150, a Nuggets Cavs preview to come. Front range four, top four sports stories on the front range. We're going to start with the Mountain West. They were just awful. Uh, CSU dropping that game yesterday. I did the post-game recap. They still need more size. They still need more athleticism. They're going to be a top 15 to 20 team if David Roddy comes back. And the news is from Kevin Lytle, my guy with the Colorado and who's been on the show, covers the team. He's like, Roddy might be coming back. He's talking about playing summer ball with these guys. So I think he tests the draft waters. I think when they tell him he's a second rounder, he comes back. 
so there's going to be a lot of expectations on CSU next year. There should be. But again, top 15, 20 team. And unless they get another big body besides for Moores and they get a little bit more athleticism, I mean, what, what is the ceiling there? A win? Maybe two in the tournament? It's going to be tough. But uh, it was a fun season. Let's face it. Blast. Love betting them. We were profitable betting them. And hopefully you hopped on some of those. But none of the four teams from the Mountain West even covered. They were just brutal. I mean, CSU. I told you Wyoming was frauds. San Diego State with one of the more devastating losses that I've had in my betting career. I mean, they had a six to eight point lead the whole game. They end up just completely folding in the final couple of minutes of that game. They couldn't hit a shot. They didn't defend. And then they lose the thing in overtime. Creighton had a couple of huge injuries in this game too. Their two best players weren't even on the floor in crunch time because of injuries. Man, Boise got spanked by a more athletic Memphis team. Again, what is the common denominator here? They're just not athletic enough. These teams in the Mountain West are not athletic enough. Tough one. Mm. Well, again, the top teams, it was a top-heavy league. The top teams, they were fun during the conference season. They just didn't line up physically with the other teams that they had to face. And, and honestly, that Michigan game was totally winnable. For CSU, they just couldn't get inside. They couldn't bang the board. Stevens missed a layup after layup. He got fouled out. Roddy didn't have the game he needed. These things happen. And look, the line closed at plus two uh, for CSU. 120 on the money line. 137 was the total. And oh, by the way, the San Diego State total went over on the last shot. That was brutal too. Uh, again, top 15 to 20 team headed into the polls next season for CSU. Disappointing end to a successful season. Let's go to number two on the front range four. Four biggest stories on the front range. The Broncos. Told you yesterday I'd set the wide receiver lines, or at least a couple of them, the prop lines for the Broncos receivers. I will have the AFC West report later in the show uh, talking about all the additions in the division. But... We get to the Broncos wide receivers. You know, the last time Wilson played a full season was 2020. He got hurt last year. Tyler Lockett had 100 catches and 1,000 yards, 1,054 to be specific. Uh, DK Metcalf, 83 catches, 1,303 yards. I don't think there is an ex quite explosive as a player as DK Metcalf on this roster. I don't know if there is a receiver that has as much command tipping his toes and making those great catches as Tyler Lockett, but I do know there is talent here. Um, but the passing game completely funneled to those two players in Seattle, Lockett and Metcalf. You'd see the running backs get some work. You'd see the tight ends get some work, but it was really a two-man show there. It's a little bigger with the options here. I don't think the ceiling is quite there with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett yet. Now, this opinion could completely change. Maybe Cortland Sutton gets back to where he was before the injury. Maybe Jerry Judy lives up to the expectations. There's a great quarterback here now. But until I see it, I'm not ready to put them up there with the ceiling that Metcalf and Lockett have. Now, the Broncos do have four wide receivers that could get work. But I see Sutton and Judy really getting the most looks with Patrick third and KJ Hamler, kind of that deep threat. And Rush should throw more in Denver. There's no question. Lack of passing, lack of building the game plan around him in Seattle, it pissed Russell Wilson off. And he really was the one that wanted out of there. I, the Seahawks came out and said today that 
it was their idea to trade Russell Wilson once they got the calls from the Broncos. Russell Wilson, to me, is still the number one option, uh, or still the number two option. I'm not buying it that Aaron Rodgers wasn't the number one option. Anyways, that doesn't matter anymore. I see Jerry Judy playing the locket role. I set the line for him, 79 and a half catches and 1,000 and a half yards. He stays healthy. He's going over both of those. He's going over 1,000 yards. They're going to throw more with Russell Wilson. Um, for Sutton, I see Sutton playing more of a Metcalf role. I'm not saying that they're locked into these two roles, but I see him playing more of a Metcalf role. Here we go. Again, I set the catches right around 79 and a half. I think he gets more yards, uh, 1,100 yards for Cortland Sutton. So 79 and a half, 1,000 and a half for Judy, 80 or 79 and a half and 1,100 and a half for Sutton. Patrick and Hamler are going to be secondary options. Javante will be a big option in the passing game. I will be looking forward to seeing his receptions prop. And I think the tight ends are going to clean up the remainder of the targets. So Albert O and whoever else they bring in. Wilson has always liked using his tight ends. Okay, let's move on to number three in the front range for the four biggest sports stories on the front range, the Nuggets and Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray expected to be back with the Nuggets tomorrow. Now, whether or not he plays with the team is the big question. Okay, time's running out. 12 regular season games left, just 12. So if they do bring him back at any point in time during this upcoming four-game homestand, he'll still have what? 11, 10, 9, 8 games you really want to shove him in there with eight games left or less than eight games left and just hope that the role works out? Is he a starter? Is he on the bench? Lots of question here. I don't, honestly, I would prefer to see him and maybe it jumbles things up a little bit with chemistry toward the end of the year. I just want to see, I want him to get some confidence this year heading into next year that he can do it during the whole off season. This team's not going to make a run and win the championship unless Murray comes back and he's like immediately the star player we thought he would. I, I want to see him play here. I want to see him play. Uh, Denver plus 1,200 to win the West, even with the news that Murray could be coming back. Again, just because he's going to be back with the team after practicing in the G League doesn't mean he will be activated. Denver still plus 1,200 to win the West, 10th highest odds to win it all at plus 2,500. They need six wins in the final 12 to put us over the show bet total of 47 and a half wins. And the Nuggets have a game tonight. Yeah, they're taking on the Cavs in Cleveland where it's kind of a Denver offense versus Cleveland defense situation, although the Denver defense has been much better. Here are the lines. Denver minus two and a half on the road. They've won these last two games against the Sixers and the Wizards on the road. Minus 136 on the money line for the Nugs. 224 is the total. Now for Cleveland, big injury here. Jared Allen is out. Huge presence on the inside. He'll be missed. Cavs have lost three of four. They cooled off since the hot start to the season. They were sitting in the top two or three of the Eastern Conference for a large portion of the first half. Now, they are 30 and thir or 39 and 30. They're tied for six in the East, dangerously close to playing the play-in game. Kind of like the Nuggets right now. They got a little cushion over the T-Wolves, but it's, it's a little unsettling. The one thing about the Cavs, no matter how poor they're playing right now, they're 21 and 12 at home. They are a good home team. For the Nuggets, the bench is starting to gel. Last 10 games, they've got the third best scoring bench in the league, according to Denver Stiffs. Are you kidding me? 45 and a half points per game. A lot of that has to do with a couple of blowouts, but remember that Sixers game, national TV was the bench that won them that game. Uh, and they played a whole bunch of time too. Jokic didn't even have to play in Washington in the fourth quarter. Um, Jamichael, 
terrific. Boogie Cousins, he's going to get you a technical every other game, but he's been terrific. Bones Highland rolling the past two games. I'm going to tail my buddy spread a stare here. I will back the Nuggets at minus two and a half. And number four, on the front range four, the four biggest stories on the front range. Let's talk about the chasm between the Rockies and the Dodgers. LA getting another MVP for less money than Chris Bryant cost. And I know it's two different situations. Freddie Freeman was never going to play here. Never an option because the Rockies are losers. Um, Chris Bryant came here. It's nice. You know, he wanted a money grab, probably less pressure. Fine. That's great. Has a no trade cost too. Who doesn't want to move out to Denver? Everyone's moving out to Denver. But the Dodgers just landed Freddie Freeman. And he's there because he took less money because they're just a great organization. And they've got one of the best farm systems we've ever seen in the past few decades. Seriously. I mean, the Rays have had some great ones, but the Dodgers, what they keep doing, when it was started under my friend Ned Coletti, who I used to do shows with, the old GM of the Dodgers, I mean, it goes back to him drafting Seeger and Walker Bueller, uh, Bellinger. Man, all those guys. All of them. But the Rockies fans always say this. We don't have the money to keep up with the Dodgers. You're right, but you got the you got the means. You got better draft picks than the Dodgers. Every single year, you're picking toward the front. They're picking toward the back. Top three starting pitchers for the Dodgers, homegrown. Bueller, Arias, Gonsolin. Kenley Jansen, their closer. Maybe a Hall of Famer. Former catcher. They converted him to closer. And then with all the prospects they had, they could go out and trade for Trey Turner. Now, yes, they had the money to go out and get Mookie Betts. I get that. But think about some of the other shrewd moves the Dodgers have done. Justin Turner, off the scrap heap. No one wanted him after the Mets. Uh, Bellinger, Muncy, homegrown. They used those prospects to get Mookie Betts. They used that money to get Freddie Freeman. But how about the Rockies? Two best homegrown players are gone. Arenado and Story are gone. They could have kept at least one of them. Oh, they didn't have the money. Yes, they did. They did have the money. They traded Arenado for basically nothing in return. Well, they got Austin Gomber for basically nothing in return and owe them $51 million in, in addition to that. Story could have stayed. Best homegrown players, gone. Gone. Couldn't keep them. Could have kept them. Didn't keep them. Herman Marquez, okay, I like the, the rotation. they got a couple of guys. They've never been able to figure it out. Marquez, first all-star game. Freeland, back and forth. You know, I, I'll never forget his debut. It was at Coors Field against Clayton Kershaw. Rockies won that game. That was an awesome one. But, you know, we'll see if Freeland really turns into that number two starter they can rely on. The aforementioned Austin Gomer, who came over uh, at a 209 ERA at Coors Field, nine starts last year. But on offense, what about the homegrown offense? They could add Story and Arenado. Now you're left with Blackman. Charlie Blackman's terrific. Great. Rodgers, McMahon, and Hampson. What are we doing? What are you doing with your system here? Don't blame this chasm between the two teams solely on payroll. The Rockies were good at developing homegrown talent, but they mis mismanaged the money to keep them. And now... After coming up with these, these guys, Arenado's story, they were a good minor league system. Now it's barren again, and they don't have the money to keep them. Where's the plan here, people? What is the long-term plan? I really don't think there is one. I think they're just going with the flow, and that's losers.
They still haven't figured out how to have a consistent rotation all these years later. Total mess. Years away from competing for a playoff spot. Let's talk about some better stuff. Well, we're going to talk about the Mountain West, but talk some Broncos, talk some Nuggets, and much more with my buddy Nate Kreckman from Altitude 92.5. Next, on the Denver CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. Being a homer has its perks at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Every day, Bet Rivers offers a special hometown discount on parlays involving local teams. To get your hometown discount, just open the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app and check the daily specials to place your bet on a unique parlay with hometown teams and players. Then root, root, root for the home team and win together. Bet today on the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app or go to betrivers.com. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 522 4700. For more real-time relevant sports betting news and information, listen to VEASAN in Denver on Altitude Sports 950. VEASAN, the sports betting network, is on the air in Denver. Listen to relevant real-time sports betting news and information on Denver's Altitude Sports 950. Follow the money, a numbers game, Lombardi line, my guys in the desert, the nightcap, and much, much more from VEASAN. The Sports Betting Network, on the air in Denver, on Altitude Sports 950. It's Friday. It's Nate Kreckman, yeah. or Nathaniel Kreckman, if you really want to be uh, uptight about it. Too many syllables. He joins me here, Holden Kushner on the Denver CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. So much to talk about, my friend. Welcome back from the Mountain West Conference Tournament which is the last time the Mountain West basketball had any type of respect for themselves. What the hell happened? Oh, and four and none of them covered Nate. Come on, man. Yeah. Oh, and four straight up. Oh, and four ATS. That's, that's called poop in the bed is, uh, is what the Mountain West went out and did yesterday. And uh, well, and I guess the Pokes did it back on Tuesday. No good. It was, uh, it was no good Holden. That's uh, that was a choke job right there from, from my favorite basketball league in the world. Down 2.2 units. At uh, least I knew Wyoming was going to get spanked. But boy, yesterday, the, the worst one. Listen, let's start with Colorado State. Yeah. That was that was bad. I mean, it was bound to happen, though. They were hitting so many threes early. As the game went on, they had no presence inside. None. Stewart fouled out. Roddy really did not assert himself on the boards. That was... I, I guess it was the athletic long matchup that was bad for them. And unfortunately, even those, even if the two big guys come back next year, I don't know how that's going to change anything, but size and length and athleticism. Uh, it's yeah, it was Hunter Dickinson was, was a problem for them. And we knew he was going to be because teams that had very large presences inside, that's what gave Colorado state trouble all year long. We saw it when they lost to Wyoming and EK went off. We saw it, when they had a tough one against Utah State in the Mountain West Tournament and Horvath went off. Big guys just gave Colorado State problems because David Roddy often drew those assignments, and he's 6'6". So as as good a defender as he is, and I think he's a very good defender, that's a bad matchup. And so, yeah, Dickinson had his game, and then uh, Collins, the young point guard, shoots 6-7 from the floor. And, uh, I, I mean, really, you look back in this game – Roddy's one of six from three. Tanjay misses all of his threes. Isaiah Stevens, three of 11. I mean, he just kept missing layups. And, uh, and he fouled out, as you mentioned right there. There there was just there wasn't anything good happening for Colorado State. I guess outside of Deshaun Thomas hitting five threes, even though yeah. he had only hit 24 all year long. 
excellent first half, up 15 at one point, but Michigan was going to fix their turnover issues, and they did. Michigan was going to start hitting more shots. They hit four threes in the second half after going over in the first. And Colorado State, to your point, no inside presence offensively in the second half. The Rammies were a massive disappointment. I think that was a very winnable game, and Nico Medved and the guys didn't show up. Well, that wasn't even close to the – to the agony of San Diego State loss because that was a game I felt great about. And they owned that game. They were up six to eight points the whole game. It's just, it's fascinating, mind-boggling. They're going up against the team without their two best players by the end of the game. How do you blow a six to eight point lead the whole game and then just choke it away? You know, Charles Barkley said they choked. I'm not going to go as hard to say that they choked, but they definitely blew it. I mean, they they should have been moving on. That was sad to watch. Matt Matt Bradley had a bad Mountain West tournament, kind of struggled with his shot at the end of the year, and, and then he had a terrible game yesterday. I know he had 16 points, but fumbling that ball away at the end of overtime, the missed free throw at the end of regulation. He didn't hit any threes yesterday. He was over for 5. Um, and then Mensa's foul trouble was a killer. Like, San Diego State is just a different team with the defensive player of the year in the Mountain West on the floor, and he played 13 minutes. He didn't score. He had two rebounds. That was devastating to not have Nathan Mensa on the floor. Who I, I mean, Holden, I think Nathan Mensa's an NBA player. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think he is. he is a... A second unit, um, big that can come in and defend multiple positions in the NBA, and they only got him for 13 minutes out on the floor. That was brutal. Baker Mazzara had 17, but he only had two in the second half. Like, yeah, San Diego State was an offensively challenged team all year long, but that they couldn't get the stops that they needed down the stretch. And again, not having Mensa was a killer. That's just a massive disappointment. They're just—they're better than that Creighton team. They're flat out better than that Creighton team, and they should be moving on. And and that's a brutal loss. That was horrible. Yeah, it was horrible for my pocket too. And then Boise again. It gets back to I think three of the four top teams that we were all high on just can't keep up with athleticism. And here's Boise again. Memphis team that had been playing better down the stretch. Yeah. Memphis, a much more athletic team. And Boise basically was not in that game for most of it. So there's another team. Lack of athleticism, Nate. You are you are 17th in defensive efficiency in the nation, Boise State. And you're down 19 at the half. You give up 38 in that first half. It's It, it was an awful performance from Boise State. Yeah, I guess they, they got it to five with 90 seconds to go. They made it semi-interesting, but... Uh, look, Memphis just led that game wire to wire, and and they were able to close it out. A- again, a massive disappointment. Yes, Memphis is a more athletic team than Boise State is, but Boise just they they did not do what they do, which is get the you know play inside out, create open looks. They only shot six of twenty one from three. Massive disappointment from Boise State. Massive disappointment all around from the Mountain West Conference. I'm saying this is one of the biggest Mountain West honks going. Um, they did choke. They, 0 for 4 is a choke job uh, on, on the part of that league, which which I adore. I love the Mountain West, and I love Mountain West basketball, and I think the hoops are excellent, and all of those matchups were bad and disappointing. My favorite conference to watch this year. And I think what we take away from it is that 
it was just a really exciting conference that didn't have enough athleticism to take care of business. See, I think Boise just had nothing against that Memphis athleticism. Michigan, again, not enough size, not enough athleticism. I'm with you. They should have won that game. Yeah. But I think the lack of athleticism, the lack of an inside presence more than David Roddy, that sunk them there. And I'm going to say this again. And I loved betting against Wyoming down the stretch. They were frauds. I, what happened to Wyoming the last month of the season? Because they were playing. Uh, was it after that Colorado State loss? I mean, I, you tell me. Wyoming just fell down. I, EK looked like he ran out of gas uh, mm-hmm. at the end of the season. He really, he just, he was missing shots he was making all year long. Um, and that's that. That's a team that. And if you look at the advanced metrics, it's Wyoming and Purdue. Um, are, are like hundreds of post touches above the closest teams in the country. Like their entire game is predicated upon getting the ball inside to EK uh, or Maldonado backing it down. Maldonado had, um, and, and Hunter Maldonado has been a very good player for Wyoming and he's had an excellent career. He had as forgettable a game as he could have possibly had between missed layups and 10 turnovers. I, I mean, just 10 turnovers that he had against Indiana he was atrocious. Um, they didn't make their threes. And, and yeah, I, I, I don't know if it was conditioning or what it was. I, I don't know if there's an injury thing. I don't know if we're going to hear news of, you know, a cleanup surgery or something like that for Graham E.K., but he wasn't the same player. The, the, the last month of the season, he just flat out wasn't the same player, and he ran out of gas. I know it sounds like I'm making excuses for Wyoming, but um, when E.K. is right, they're just a completely different team, and he wasn't the same player at the end of the year. All right, let's move on to something good. Uh, Russell Wilson press conference yeah. took five hours. Now I'm looking at the Russell Wilson press conference. Yeah. I'm watching this thing, and I'm going, "Wow, this is really nice for him to thank Seattle so much." Shows what kind of a guy he is. Obviously, wasn't on the greatest terms. And then I look at Twitter, and Nate Crackman's going, "Gosh, I wish he would stop thanking the Seattle Seahawks." Come on, Nate, have a little heart. This guy spent his whole career there, and now he's coming here. I actually enjoyed that. Second of all. I'm pretty excited about this. This is good stuff. Well, it's great stuff, but come on, man. If it was an award show, they'd have hit the music and played them off. <laughs> My God. My God. It's You don't have to name every guy you ever played with in Seattle. You're in Denver now, okay? Guess what, Russ? You get a Hall of Fame speech in 10 years where you can do all of that nonsense, all right? While you're here in Denver doing a press conference for the Broncos, you ain't a Seahawk anymore, my friend. I've had it, but I get it. Okay. You got mad endorsement dollars up there in Seattle. You want to stay on good terms. You want to hang on to all of that. I understand. My God. I mean, an hour-long press conference. And you look at really holding. And and this is, I don't, anything that I'm about to say right now is going to sound like a knock on Russell Wilson. And it absolutely is not. If anything, I applaud it, and I'm sort of in awe of it. That dude is as polished a brand as you're going to see in professional sports. I mean, that is a shiny operation. And everything that he has done since the trade, since the news, um, getting into Denver, he and Sierra at the Children's Hospital, He and Sierra and the kids at the press conference, everything Russ had to say, it was as curated as could be. Like, there's a team behind all of that, and they very clearly are very good 
at what they do. Like this guy is, um, he gets it. He really gets it. He's, and, and, and I think that there's two things that are, that are part of all that. Number one, he understands the, the CEO nature of being a quarterback in the face of a franchise. And Denver has so desperately needed all of that. And number two, when you're really good at all that stuff, in addition to being a, a pretty good football player, you get to print money. And and Russ and Sierra know how to do all of that. And so it, it was all very on display. And, and, and maybe, and again, with my cynicism sort of and my snarkiness, let's be honest, yeah. sort of leaking out my eye rolling at a lot of what he had to say and how over the top it was, um, it, it's... Denver hasn't had this in, you know, since Manning, since Manning, really. And, and Manning was, he was all of those things the same as Russ, but Peyton at least was funny. You know, Russ is just like. He's a dork. <laughs> cor- he is. He's, he is so corny. You know what it is? He's corny. He is. There's certain great athletes that are just corny dorks. Freddie Freeman's one of them. Yeah. He's got a press conference coming up today. Just wait, wait for that Freddie Freeman con. He is corny, man, just, and it's as simple as that. Just, um, I'm still into. I'm still trying to figure out who Sierra is because I did some research. I knew that they were being celibate, like before the whole marriage thing. Sure. That she popped on my radar. Sure. What else is she known for? Does she do anything anymore? I think she's a pop star. Is she still? Because I didn't see any late hits. She so, said okay. uh, because I watched the video of them at the children's hospital, and she told a little girl. A little girl was telling her, "I love your uh-huh. music," and Sierra said, "Well, I've got some new stuff coming out." Ooh! So she's about okay. to. She's gonna drop some tracks, Holden. Okay. I, oh, it's and, it's and good again, to know that, dude. I'm not the one to. I don't know. I couldn't pick Sierra out of a lineup. I, I don't know the first thing about her music or anything like that. I know she's she's famous. Um, I know that she has a baby with Future. Future's a thing. And then um, uh, the child's name is Future Junior. And Future... Future? Uh, Future Junior. Future. And okay. Future was shouted out by Russ who is the stepdad, and that was a nice moment. Um, yeah, the, the corny earnestness and all of that, again, it, it that stuff isn't for me, all right? Obviously, based on this conversation, um, I, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to watch him play quarterback, okay? Yeah. I like when he runs around and throws the ball deep and spins out of pass rushes and all those things. That's the part I'm excited about with Russell Wilson, all of the rest of it is for other people. I'm just interested in him helping the Broncos be good at football, and then I'll listen to the press conferences, and uh, my attention will wane. All right, let's move on to baseball. Baseball! What's going on here, Rockies? What's, uh, I'm kind of saying, hmm, I mean, at least they got themselves a nice hitter in Chris Bryant, yeah. but what? there's no long-term plan, is there? Nope. There hasn't been a long-term plan, because that's all that this reeks of. No, this was I, – I, let, let's talk about this from two perspectives, Holden. Okay. Um, number one, let's talk about it from the Rockies' perspective, okay? It makes no sense. I'm not saying that that it's a bad thing, but it makes no sense, okay? Like, for the money they just spent on Bryant, they could have just kept Nolan Arenado. Correct. <laughs> so, who, by the way, is a better player. So – 
They could have just done that. Um, they also could have, by keeping Nolan, Ar Nolan Arenado in place, maybe fostered a better feeling with Trevor Story, maybe fostered a better feeling with John Gray, and they could have kept those two good players in place. And look, were they going to win the division with that group? No, but I could have looked at them and said, all right, I can see a path. I can see a wild card path, maybe, if everybody in the rotation stays healthy and all those things. But um, they didn't do any of that. They they did just all the weirdest Rockies things they could possibly do. Um, not trading Gray at the deadline, not trading Story at the deadline, um, and then the divorce of Nolan Arenado, all of those things, and then going to sign Chris Bryant. You're like, what the hell are you doing? Okay? Seriously. But what, what are they doing? What, what what are they doing? There's no there's no plan. There, nothing about what they're doing makes sense. I did see uh, fan graphs in uh, projected uh, record based on projected roster depth. Thanks to the Chris Bryant acquisition, they did uh, jump Baltimore to go from 30th to 29th. So it was a big time addition. Okay. I I saw their win total 67 and a half. Yeah. Chris Bryan is not going to push that nope. over, but it, I get back to this, yeah. Nate, again. The second I saw this, I said, there's just no long-term vision. There wasn't when the other GM was here. There's not when the there's new less of GM is here. Yeah. Huh? No, there's less of one now. It, it's Yeah, be yeah, because the plan last year was what? Just trade Arenado for anything and just let's just try and screw Monfort as much as we can so he has to pay more money out of his pocket. I guess that what that was. They knew Story wasn't coming back, so what did they do there? Nothing. And now you just signed Chris. I don't know why Chris Bryant's coming here outside okay. of him loving the city, loving the ballpark, yeah. and not wanting pressure. I'm glad because you brought there's going to be up. no pressure on him here. I'm glad you brought that up. That's the other facet of this discussion. Why is Chris Bryant a Rocky? Why? 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 Why would anybody choose? And And I think it's everything that you just said. I think number one, Generational wealth. Scott Boris got it done. $182 million. Okay, way to go. Uh, number two, beautiful place to live. He's got a young family. They come to Denver. Uh, mm -hmm. It's going to be great. Close, close to Vegas, where he's from. Uh, number three, to your point, no pressure. That guy exits one of, and Holden, you and I are both from that part of the country and both grew up Cub fans, so we know. That's a pressure cooker, okay? That media and that fan base in that town, and especially once Brian's production started to lag in 2018 when he had the first shoulder injury, man, it they turned on him. It, they really did. And they were turning on a rookie of the year and an MVP the year that the team broke a 108-year World Series curse. Like, Chris Bryant is a baseball hero in that town, and – Two years later, it was, all right, where's the production, dude? And and they turned on him harsh. And I think that Bryant resented it. Um, and I think he resented it in concert with um, the Ricketts and the service time manipulation, which is complete and total BS and which was a huge issue in the last labor negotiation. Um, huge issue. Chris Bryant was kind of a symbol in that whole thing, which is all the more stunning to me that he chose to go and play for Dick Monfort, who – was the face of the labor poli um, labor committee for the owners. So I was a little bit stunned by that. But again, they just they overpaid him so ridiculous. You mentioned Freddie Freeman before, and sure, he's corny. 
Freddie Freeman's also a much better player than Chris Bryant, and the Dodgers got him for one year less and for twenty million dollars. Yeah, he was not coming here though. He I mean, was, no, was no, no, no. Don't don't mishear what I'm saying. Freddie Freeman was never going to come to the Rockies, but it goes to show you the tax the Rockies had to pay because they yeah. stink to get Chris Bryant versus what Freeman did to go and play for the Dodgers. Again, the Dodgers are better at every last little thing when it comes to baseball than the Rockies are in the signing of, again, a much better player for fewer years and less dollars goes to show you how much better they are at this whole thing. So from from Brian's perspective, I think, dude, he's just, this is easy street, okay? This is just, hey, I'll go sock sock some dingers and uh, and live in a beautiful place and there's no pressure. We'll finish fourth in the division every year, and who cares? Well, as far as the Rockies go again, it just doesn't make sense. They're going to be horrible. They're going to be horrible for a while. There's no way to turn this around quickly. Oh, they're so far. Yeah, they're and so I'm far. so done with the Rockies fans saying, well, we can't compete with the Dodgers. We don't have money. Sure you can. Well, go look at the Dodgers farm system. Yep. Okay, going back to a good friend of mine, Ned Coletti, way back in the day. Bellinger, Seeger, Muncie. Um, Kenley Jansen, who he took from catcher to closer, yep. Walker Bueller, Julio Arias. And then what happens here? Sure, you can't afford to bring uh, Arenado and Story back, but they could have at least kept one of them. So you have, let's say, Story and Blackman, but the the farm system's not as good. The whole organization is just a mess, man. We've known this, but it's not getting any better anytime soon. The Dodgers have the best system in baseball, and then they use those resources to go and get Mookie Betts, and they use those resources to go get Trey Turner. Um, th- this this is why they're just they're better at this than everybody else. Um, do do sure do they have um, a a larger budget to work with than most clubs in baseball? Absolutely. I want to also point out those are self imposed budgets that other teams in baseball make because they all have to make the decision of um, what are we going to reinvest into our ball club and what are we just going to pull down as profit? Um, The Dodgers choose to reinvest into their ball club. But again, they're better at every last, like I always love, you know, Bill Schmidt said, well, we're not the Dodgers. We have to be a draft and develop organization. Um, The Dodgers are the best draft and develop organization in the entire sport. And then they take their money and then they reinvest it into that club. They pay guys when their club control is up and they move those resources that they have in order to be able to acquire better players. Um, it's, I'm with you, man. The inferiority complex of the baseball fans in this town is infuriating. Um, the Dodgers are doing it absolutely right. And there's nothing unfair about what is going down right there. The Rockies are atrocious at running a baseball team. Brutal. Brutal. Last one for you, though. We got a good deal. Let's get back to the good news. Good. Now we got the Broncos are good. Good. The abs are good. The Nuggets are good. Is Jamal Murray coming back this weekend? Or he's definitely coming back in this four-game homestand, isn't he? I don't know. And I'm taking the tack of being very cautious on this, Holden. So this has been weird, right? Because Jokic talks to Sam Amick at All-Star break and says, Jamal's on a track, we think he's coming back, okay? And then the story shifts a little bit to, we're going to ship these guys out to Grand Rapids, Murray and Porter, and then it doesn't happen. 
And then Mike Singer writes in the Denver Post, 50-50 on Murray. Sources are saying 50-50 return. Now he's getting, mm-hmm. and, and now he's in Grand Rapids, and he's, he's working out with the team. Uh, he's doing four-on-four and five-on-five work, but not doing a full practice. This, to me, is, it, it's all discovery, right? They, they are trying to find out where he is at. I think Jamal is trying to find out exactly where he is at with some more up-tempo work on the floor. I don't view this, and, and, I, and I don't think ACL recovery is always linear. I don't view this as a sure thing that he's coming back. I, I'm saying that, wow. that there's progress here, but I am also very open to the possibility, and I'm trying to warn Nuggets fans of this, of Murray getting back from Grand Rapids during this homestand and looking at the team and going, I can't do it. Which, which wouldn't shock me. It, it really wouldn't shock me if that happened. Um, so I, I'm just – right now I'm going to stay at – they're finding things out right now, and I don't know if he's coming back. Um, I think we know this week. I think we know yeah, we're in this four-game no, stand. I think we will too because you, flat out they have to know because yes. you don't want to try and plug Jamal Murray back in and then alter your second unit rotation and do all of that right before the start of the playoffs, which is in, what, three and a half weeks? Mm-hmm. From now, like, the clock is absolutely ticking for this group. They, I mean, Jamal needs, what, at least eight, nine games before they, they even get to the playoffs? There's 12 left right now in the regular season. He's going to at least need that much run. Plus, there's the question of, um, is he coming off the bench? Is he starting? If he is starting, then... What does that do to your bench rotation? What does that mean? Obviously, Monte is still going to be in your rotation. You have to play Monte Morris. He's excellent. Um, but then is it, okay, is it Bones Highland? Is it Bryn Forbes? Is it Austin Rivers? Um, is it Davon Reed, who is then the other guard in a playoff rotation and a pared-down playoff rotation? There's much that they have to figure out. And, and then there's also the question of if Porter comes back, which – Again, the last report was mid to late March. Well, it's mid to late March now, and he's still not back. If Porter comes back as well, then what does that do for the front court? What exactly is his role? How many minutes? All of that. This is, it, it's weird because we're talking about a luxury of two star players coming back for you, but also, you know, the Nuggets have 70 games of a season with this group that is 14 games over 500 with Jokic playing at an MVP level with a lot of guys having really good years. And you're talking about jumbling all of that up right before the start of the postseason, which is, it's a good problem to have, but it still is kind of a problem. Yeah, without Murray, though, this team doesn't have a shot at really making a deep run, I don't think. The bench has been terrific lately. That's nice to see. But, I mean, really... Like, are they? If you're looking for a deep run, I think you have to have Murray in some capacity. If you're not, if it's not going to happen, then sit him down, wait for next year. I, d- I don't know if a deep run's happening, regardless. I really don't. I really don't. And I look. I I think they can win a series. I absolutely think they can win a series. I w- I would love to see them somehow still be able to catch Utah and be able to get themselves a four seed. That that would be really really nice and have some home court advantage. Um, I. I think they can win a series, but, you know, right now you're talking about, you know, catching Golden State in the first round if things stay exactly as they are, and Steph Curry with a foot in, coming off of a major foot injury, and and Draymond Green not completely whole. So, yeah, you can you can win that series against Golden State. Nuggets have kicked the crap out of those guys this year outside yeah. of that last matchup was the fourth game in five nights. They can win that series. 
you know, beyond that, I think that that's asking a lot out of this group. And, you know, we, we've seen, especially out of this run, when they played six games in nine nights, man, like Jokic just, and, and he's been marvelous, but he looked like he was running on fumes. All right, my friend, wonderful hit. There's so much more to talk about. You're yeah. going to have a trillion things. You've been having a trillion things to talk about right. on your show with Lindahl. Plug it, my friend. Uh, Altitude Sports Radio 92.5, 2 to 6 in the afternoon. Uh, we're on the road today, Lodge Casino and Blackhawk, which is going to be a lot of fun Ooh. for uh, for NCAA hoops. So we will be there, and, yeah, we don't have to be stressed out about any Mountain West teams on the floor today. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> we at least got that losing out of the way. We can try and rebound for the rest of it. I'll be back with an AFC West report. There's an arms race going on. There's a receivers race going on. There's a quarterbacks race, defensive race going on. It's nuts in the AFC West. I'll discuss next. Thank you, Nate Kreckman, here on the Denver CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Combine two bets or combine many. You pick your confidence level and then watch the game unfold. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Let's wrap up the show here with the AFC West report. Total arms race going on in the AFC West right now. Here are the updated odds on the division from Bet Rivers. The Chiefs are still the heavy favorite here at plus 130, but the Chargers and the Broncos making a push, both now at plus 275. You know, before the Russell Wilson news, it was Chiefs and then the Chargers way back. And then you had the Raiders and then you had the Broncos. Well, this AFC West arms race here has jumbled everything up. You're not getting as good of odds on these teams as you did earlier with the exception of the Chiefs. So we'll start with the Chiefs because what are the Chiefs doing? Nothing in the offseason. Are they just good enough to take care of their business? They're going to have some cap issues. I get that. Uh, this team looked entirely beatable the first half of the season. I think the Bills are now the better team. The Bills go out and get themselves Vaughn Miller, uh, I think for the playoffs there at least, to try and get to Patrick Mahomes. But at plus 130, to me, I'm staying off the Chiefs. Look at what the Chargers have done. Before we get to the Broncos, plus 275, what the Chargers have done is said, hey, we got to stop Mahomes and we got to stop Hill. By the way, Travis Kelsey, I still think, is in a bit of decline. Still a great player, not the same guy he was a couple of years ago. J.C. Jackson, cornerback from the Patriots. Khalil Mack, reclamation project. Really didn't live up to the hype when he was traded from the Raiders over to the to the, um, to the Bears. Excuse me. But um, Jackson and Mack, boom, bump it up. They also brought Mr. Williams, Mike Williams, back. Broncos, Russell Wilson, great. DJ Jones, Randy Gregory, terrific. They beefed up the defense. They brought Josie Jewell back. We didn't see him last year. Think about this defense now. Already one of the top scoring defenses. You got DJ Jones, run stopper. Randy Gregory, hopefully gets to the quarterback, helps everything else out. And then Josie Jewell coming back. This defense is nasty, man. And last but not least, the Raiders. What are the Raiders doing? Well, the Raiders don't want to get left out. Hey, let's bring in Chandler Jones. Let's go stop 
those offenses in the division, and then the big one, Devontae Adams. So now it's Derek Carr and Devontae Adams back once again. They were teammates out there in Fresno State. I mean, think about this for a second. Do you think Aaron Rodgers is having a little remorse for going back to Green Bay, or was it just a money grab? That's my question, because if he was upset for not having weapons the last couple of years, what is he going to do without the best wide receiver in the National Football League? You tell me. Aaron Rodgers, he can't be a happy dude right now. He's probably wishing he was here in Denver, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but the Raiders have taken a huge jump now from 9-1 to one all the way to plus 600. So plus 900 down to plus 600. It is an absolutely nutty division. I, I think the team that finishes last is probably the team with the most devastating injury, to be perfectly honest with you. Remember, the Raiders were a playoff team last year. Their offense has gotten significantly better, uh, and I think Chandler Jones is going to help them too. Broncos have gotten better on both sides of the ball. Chargers, defensively, they needed to get better. They got better. I'm still quizzical. I still want to see if this organization just get just get away from itself. Uh, coaching has just killed them. And I'm not saying that some of Staley's process was wrong last year, but it just didn't work out for him. So can get, they get over the hump. And the Chiefs falling back to the pack a little bit. Going to be a great division. Love the AFC West. Thank you very much for hopping on. Appreciate that uh, and listening to the show. I'll give you one bet before we leave. If you listen to this before uh, about 2 about 2.30 today on Mountain Time, Chattanooga plus 8. Uh, give me Chattanooga on an upset today. Thanks to Nate Kreckman for hopping on. Thanks to Steven, our producer, as well. I'm Holden. Appreciate you checking out the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers.